following Willie Moore and Moore. Back in the NRL. There's Willie Mays. That's forgotten how big Willie actually is. Perhaps the presence of Willie and the Panthers looking at his imposing frame. I'm a 25 minute man. Oh, you got skills, son. Uppercut right hand by Big Willie. Welcome to the Take with Willie Mason. We are up to episode number seven, which is a miracle to everyone involved in this. But, William, it's been a very, very big week for you. Yeah. Uh, you've had a very special day. Yes. I turned 40 yesterday. You don't look a day over 40. No, I don't. Thank you. I'm actually a day over 40. You're actually a day over 40. <laughs> and uh, no, it was, it, was, it was good. I mean... I had a lot of lovely messages and some nice presents and it was mainly just about reflecting uh, on my career and achievements and stuff, which I don't really do that often. And, you know, just to be proud of what I've done and, and not just with football, just in life in general, uh, which, was, which was quite – it was nice to get those messages. When you're 21, you don't really give a fuck. When you're 25, 30, you don't really give a shit. But when you're 40, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm – this is my first innings – 40. If I get to 80, I'll be all right. Are you starting to get sentimental? No, I'm just saying, you, your life changes. I mean, you're what? You're 42, 43 Why years old? Why are you going to bring that up? I'm just I'm saying. Older. So, Why? but you know, you know, like you, you, your life changes for the better, I think. And, you know, reflecting back on a lot of things that, you know, my career and just as a person and what sort of person I've become and what I am now, you know, I'd like to think I'm a better person. I'd like to be known more as a better, a better person than a rugby league player. I don't really care. That was just a little fraction of my life and it was great and I've had some great memories and I've, I've been successful at that. But second part of my life now, I'd rather be known or I'd rather be known anyway as a better person. Like, oh yeah, he could play football as well, but he's a way better bloke. So things like that mean a lot more to me, a lot more to me than the footy shit because I know a lot of guys that were great football players, but they were absolute pieces of shit as people. So I'd, I'd, that means a lot... A lot more than me, a lot more to me, being a better person. So that that sort of made me a little bit like emotional, like last night when I was got a couple of messages. But well, I've known life. you, I've known you for a long time, and you are definitely not the same person that you were when I yeah. first met you. And that's not a, it's not a criticism, but, but, but I'd be, I'd be, I've watched you grow up, and I've watched you become the man you are today, and I'm very proud to be your and friend. And I'd be, I'd be embarrassed if I was the same person I was when I was thirty. Because if I didn't learn from anything or any mistakes or just in life in general, like just say from – I remember being a 20-year-old when I just debuted in the NRL. Now I'm 40 years old. In this 20 years, I've learned so much about being a, a better person, rugby league, just morals, principles, all that kind of stuff. I've always stuck to the same – I've always been me. That's one thing that you've always – You've never changed. Yeah. I've never changed. I've gotten a lot smarter got a lot wiser and I hope to God that I got a lot wiser because I'd be fucking filthy if someone goes, yeah, he's, still the, he's still the same dickhead that I met when he was, when he was 22. You know, I don't want, I don't, I don't want that. You know, I want, I want those, I want, I want to, I don't want to hear people, but if they said something about me, like, yeah, he's, he's, he's a really good guy. He's grown and he's grown into the man I thought he would be, which that's the sort of uh, stuff that I'm getting now. And that's enough for me. Well, I'm biased. I'm biased, obviously, but I think you're a wonderful human and I'm very, very lucky to have met you and I'm very proud to be your friend. One thing that I am thankful to coronavirus for is that it has actually stopped your 40th birthday celebration <laughs> this weekend, and you know, which I have been nervous yeah. about for um, many moons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, about two months ago, we were sort of um, 
trying Planning. to trying to organize it and you know and 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 the beauty of it I was just like you know what like compared to my 25th birthday which was at Sapphire my <laughs> <laughs> boy uh has sailor shout out to you mate love you he was just starting this nightclub and people who who party through the 2000s would have would have known about it it was one of the best nightclubs for about 10 years and and it just opened in 2005 he goes oh where are you going to have your 25th I said fuck should I have it here he goes, yeah. So it was the fucking who's who of the NRL. Everybody packed in. We all had our partners and all this kind of stuff. So we had it from about seven till about 12. It was a free bar. I'm not one of those wankers who go, oh, yeah, it's just beers and wine. No, fuck that. Just go nuts. I'll take care of the bill after. I looked at it the next day. I was like, oh, shit, you hurt me. That was painful. Yeah, and, that was, and that was a good, and that was a really good discount from Hass as well. But, uh, you know, our partners were around, the people were in the toilets, and then the, the, apparently the phone calls were like from other birds because they let other birds in. They're like, oh, my God, fucking this. I'm not going to name any names. X, Y, and Z's at this, at this new bar, blah, 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 blah. Get here. Next minute, the club is fucking packed full of people. eight out of tens. People. But they were all like, I'm, and I had a lot of single mates and everything like that. So I had a, I had a ball. So we got, we look back on that. And even Charlie, Charlie Saylor, like everyone who knows the cross knows Charlie Hass's dad, thanks me every time he sees me. He goes, you kicked our whole club off. Your 25th kick. It was jam-packed. And then we had our own little – by the time, by the, by the end of it, everyone sort of was dwindling out about 12 o'clock. Everyone was pretty fucked. But, yeah, it got jam-packed full of other people. And, yeah, we Genuine. stayed – I don't know. You say you it was, kicked it, it was, off, mate. You, it kept, was, you kept that joint going yeah, for about Yeah, no, five we kicked years. it off and we kept it going for 10 years. Yeah, it was It was quite the <laughs> One place. of the greatest places. And if anyone's ever ever had a decent night out, they've been to Sapphire. People, other Probably people. Probably now if you're 20 years old. Well, the cross is the dead. the most boring as fucking life of your. And do you know what, William? You had no rules, whereas the general public, they anyway. You that's know what? Unlucky. Unlucky. We didn't play for Australia. <laughs> so... Later on in the show, we're actually going to make a phone call to – we're going to open your little black book. We're not going to say who it is. It's going to be a surprise for later. Probably one of the greats. But it's one of the greatest players to ever play the game. One of our very dear friends yep. and someone we are looking forward to speaking to, but that's just a little teaser to make sure you mm. keep listening. What has happened over the last – since we last spoke last week, what is going on with Channel 9? I don't know. It's – um. I think it's some of these conversations. They sh- it should be behind closed doors. Who's leaking I'm not, it? I, I'm not sure, but I mean, I look at AF. I look at the AFL and how they're conducting their business. They're in, they're, they're in a deficit of five hundred million, five hundred million plus. You know, they, they've done a deal with Channel Seven, the NAB Bank, ANZ. They're going to go. You know, we got this is in layman's term. We got your back for this year, regardless. Gonna play players. We're gonna, you know, everyone's gonna take a bit of a bit of a loss. Every, you know, blah blah blah. But Channel Nine's come out and going, we want out. Like once, you know, like because they they were in a bit of a power position. What I understand of it, like I'm only, I'm not talking so, so specific where you know I'm, I'm I'm in meetings. I'm just gonna tell you how what I'm thinking and what I know what's going on. Like they've got there's what there's a hundred and like thirty million dollars that that's their that's their that's their deal for this that's year. That's their spend. Hundred thirty, yeah. yeah. And now. You know, like the NRL got two hundred fifty million dollars, ca- like a cash cash injection from a London-based firm called Oakwell. Now, I think Channel Nine's thinking, "Fuck, why did we even say this thing?" Because the NRL can sit back and go, "Hey, take your one thirty. We've got two fifty to 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 
relax all year. And now Channel 7's coming in going, and they've always been interested in league because they know what sort of numbers we pull. It's ridiculous. And it's, 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 it's going to get messy because what Channel 9 did, me just looking as a spectator and as, as, a, as a fan, I'm like, Fuck, I would not have said that. I would not have argued with the NRL. Now, the NRL's got the upper hand because they've got this $250 million. Well, Channel – but that that to be fair, that's a loan. So Ch- Channel 9 have come in and they've said, at, like, they're playing hardball and I get why they're playing hardball because they can, right? The AFL own Marvel Stadium. Mm. So they own – they've got assets. Yeah. The NRL's got no assets. So they can go to a bank and they yeah. can say, listen, we'll yeah, pay your loan back, otherwise you can take our stadium. Mm. The NRL – yeah, They've nothing. gone like that. Two hundred and fifty million. You don't know what sort of interest rates they're paying. Like, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. But it's not. Yeah, there is a lot of smoke and mirrors. But that's the headlines, and they know they've got that money. Yeah. And that, so that that's the that's all we can go into the the whole things, the nuances, and all these sort of things, and of of about about it. But you just they've got that money now. Like mm. that's all they need to do. And then they go to Channel Nine. Like, you know what? What are you What are you going to do now? And like I just think, well, you know, Gus and Gus and Buzz are arguing, and you know the Buzz, these... Buzz. <laughs> no, it's just, it's terrible what's going on, mate. Ch- Channel Seven, you look at so with the cricket, for example. So Channel Nine had always had the cricket. That was something that mm. was you know you grow up whether you're a fan of cricket yeah. or not. You knew Richie Banner. That was the thing. Channel Seven took the cricket, mm. um, but realistically, everyone's watching Foxtel. For cricket, they got a dedicated cricket channel. They took yeah. all the commentators. They took all the good stuff. Channel Ten had the big bash. Foxtel went. You know what? We're taking that as well. Channel Nine. The issue Channel Nine's got now is what happens if Foxtel just come in and say we're streaming services are, are the future. Everyone's got the only thing that's going to save Foxtel as a company is rugby league. So then Fox go Foxtel go all in on rugby league. Yeah. That leaves Nine out in the cold. And it also leaves the average person who doesn't have Foxtel. What do they do? So well, as you say, when Channel phone. Seven, when Channel Seven walk in, and then you and you mirror it to your TV, it's so easy to do. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but like a mirror lot of it? a lot of people know what to do with their phones. All you got to do 40. is just get it on your phone. You mirror it to your TV, and next minute it's playing. So you're not really going like, to like technology has taken over these mainstream these mainstream things like Channel 9, Channel 7, Foxtel, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's easy to get around. I mean, this is being, they're being petty. And I mean, this, this is a time where you see other massive big uh, industries like the NBA and the Premier League and all these, other, all these other, other sports. They're in the same fucking boat. But you don't see TNT or ESPN just going, no, we're not going to do that to the NBA. We, we want out. We've got a bit of a clause so we can get out because it's coronavirus. You don't see Channel 7 doing it to the AFL. But the NRL, it's like, Come on, like get your shit together. You're all grown ass men. You know, you don't have to air this dirty laundry out. Just keep it in, just keep it indoors. But like it just somehow just gets out all the time. It makes us look like fucking idiots. I think the thing is as well, like you look at the clubs and the clubs, it's rugby league is a tribal game. It really yeah, it is. is. I mean, AFL is too, but they've got a really strong leadership group. The AFL as a business yeah. is terrific. Yeah. The NRL has struggled with that leadership. And so you've got now, you've got people saying, we're going to do this. Perfect example is the Warriors. Now, the Warriors at one stage were the absolute touchstone of whether the comp went on or not. Mm. And now the Warriors are turning around saying the NRL even talking to us. They're yeah. saying they want to start on May 28th. They're going to have to isolate. There's 14 days, all this. The Warriors feel like they're not being spoken to by the NRL. Mm. So at what point does the NRL go, May 28th is not going to happen? 
Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're fighting hard. I mean, May 28th, when they come out with that last week, I was like, damn, it's going to happen. It's, ha- it's going to happen. Next minute, who was it? Was it John Barillaro, Bar- Bar- yeah. New South Wales National Party? Rugby league is the tonic we need to get us through this coronavirus. Like, that's a minister. Do you know what I mean? Like, for, for the National Party, I mean, like, that's a guy who, like... He's a deputy prime minister, a uh, deputy premier. Whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever he is. But he's coming out and saying that and supporting the NRL, supporting rugby league, nothing else. And then, so everybody's getting this false hope that we're going to play. But it's... Do you reckon it's false hope? I'm, oh, well, when you talk to other people, like, you got to the Queens, the Queensland uh, premier, Anastasia the, the lady, Palaszczuk, she's yeah. going, going, fuck off, we're not going to play. Which is a big, big call. I don't like getting political, but I'll just give you in layman's terms. Like, you're fucking in Queensland, you're talking about not playing Origin. They love Origin like no other people. So then you've got other guys like uh, Beatty and all that going, you can't say this, all this. It's just like a little fucking petty bitch in war. And I just don't understand why it's happening. I understand like she's trying to protect the Queensland and the players and all that kind of stuff. But, I like, feel like she's misread the room because at the end of the day, yeah, I think if, so they, too. if they play three origin games in New South Wales and Anastasia, Anastasia Palaszczuk is the reason why that's happened, mate, she's getting voted out 100% because the banjo players up there, hello to all our yeah, Queensland so viewers, so people just they'll be it. filthy. I was saying before, like, people just think, oh, yeah, you know, Queensland's just Brisbane. No, I mean, it's fucking huge. You go all the way up to the peninsula. You go to like Cape York and Town- Platon Townsville for one year, like Rockhampton, Mackay, all these all these blue-collar, hard-working people that love origin and you say that, like that will turn against you, and then because it means if she's wanting to get reelected, I'm not a put, you know, I don't like to get politics at all. But she's not really playing her hand, right? And I'd whoever's advising her is probably the same person that's advising Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I'd vote for you. I, look, the the thing with the way things are at the moment is that no one really knows what's going on. Mm. One thing. That you got to credit the NRL, and and I say credit the NRL, but Peter Volandis and we've Volandis spoken is about a fucking animal, mate. He's an animal, and I so love him. he's just gone. Do you know he can't what? Can't say rugby league. Rugby, he can't say rugby. What's rugby. his deal? Rugby. Oh, he's weird. Well, do you know what? I don't care if he can say it or not, because at the end of the day, he's what sweet. he's done is he's come out and if all the sports administrators, he's gone. We're starting here. He's got balls and he shows leadership. He was the that's first play- one. That's all players want. I just say players don't really take note of any all the bullshit the CEOs say. Greenberg. Gallup, all these guys, no one gives a fuck. It's just like get the best TV deal, say whatever you want. You're a puppet for all the other. We all know if you're a puppet for all the big for the other guys behind. And Volandis looks like that dude that gets shit done. Hundred percent. Finally, yeah. He, like just say twenty years that I'll be, I, I was around the game. Finally, got a person who's doing some stuff. It, where, rugby league is relevant all the time. Like there's no other there's no other news but rugby league. They're back front front page of all the all the all the news. So like he's he's doing the right thing, and he's I think he just he sees, as I said like a couple of weeks ago on the show, this is attainable. We can actually play. I'm not sure if it's May 28th. I said you know what we can play if we isolate, we self isolate, we test. I mean I I'm not sure about this fucking temperature thing. I mean. Do you know just, what though? I mean, Even if- just test them. What, actually, you're a pharmacist. You're in this. You're in this sort of medical history, um, medical industry. Why can't they f- 
test them? Is it that much to test? Is it is it a, is it a money problem? No, so it's not a money why, problem. So why can't they just go every NR, NR, every NRL team? So you got sixteen teams. I don't just say you got five hundred people. Test them all. You're all negative. Let's put you in in isolate, not even isolation because you don't need it because you're negative, and then just like put you in all sixteen teams into one place or. Whatever they're trying to say, like if it's north, if it's in Queensland or New South Wales or wherever, but you're all negative. Well, like, I mean, why that's, can't they just test every player? They can, but the issue then is that the fact that you know it's not just the players; it's the support staff, it's the trainers, it's everyone. So everyone then has to be in a situation. They call it the bubble. Yes, right. Be so in a bubble. You could you could do that, but then again, where are you going to do it? You know, there's all these things. How do you get? To and from games, do you have one ground and you just play? Well, that one island, that dude said, game, "Oh, Tangaloo you can be on this island. There's five or six hundred people that can be on that." The thing is, they don't they don't know enough about it. And mm. and Scott Morrison came out today, you mm. know, and and said these are the three things that society needs for us to start reducing restrictions. Now, yeah. I don't think the NRL care about what is going on at that level. All they care about is getting their product on the field. Yeah. So there's a number of things that will need to happen for the rest of us to be able to do what, you know, we're used to, go to the gym, be able to surf at the beach, all these things that, I mean, not yeah, I miss surfing. surfing. I miss surfing. You, well, you, actually, you'd be all right. But it's, it's at that point now where something is going to happen in terms of positives. So yeah. we're going to start reducing restrictions. We're going to do all of these things. Rugby league, if they just stick the course and they say May 28th, and they stick to that, and they have one or two options, I don't see how the government can stop them because okay. the, the police, Mick Fuller came out and said, yeah. we don't have any, in principle, we don't have any problems with yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I just think, like, rugby league will find a way. I mean, they know they're not, they're not hurting anyone. They're not breaking any rules. They want to be that, that, that industry that just goes, you know what, we can do it. And then it'll give everybody else the balls to go and do something like this. Well as soon but as they do, every other case does I'm the saying. same like, thing. They'll do yeah. it. I mean like and they and they know what what it means. I said last week, WrestleMania, fucking nearly a billion views, the only sporting thing. And what about this? Florida, the governor Essential Services. Essential service wrestlers. Wrestlers are essential. Mm. So I mean if it's happening in America, only in America. Fucking only in America. But I just think maybe maybe if, if they're doing that kind of stuff, like why you know, and, and when we hear these, you know, the um, you know, Volandis and all that sort of stuff going, you know, rugby league is part of the fabric and all this kind of stuff. So is AFL, so is cricket, so is everything else. But it's different logistics with those sports. Yeah. We can just be in between two states and test everybody. It, it's possible. I know I understand, I mean, like guys like, you know, Cameron Smith and and Darius Boy going, you know, if if we have to go four to six months away from our families. I'd rather retire or this and that. I understand that, Darius, because you're a fan, you, you, you've achieved everything in the game. You've played over 300 games, 20 origins, 20 tests, two premierships. Cameron Smith, 400 games, fucking 400 million games, <laughs> done every single thing. I can't even, I don't even know his resume anymore. It's that, it's that big. We understand from your, you two guys. I don't hear any other people coming out going, oh, we don't want to play. Because every fucking person wants to play. Well, Rugby league, as I said last week, players play. That's all you want to do is play. And I understand if you guys want to step back and retire from the game, so be it. This well, here's the-, the thing, Will. They're, they're talking about short-term contracts. And, and, I mean, 
we're guilty of it too. You know, we're talking about rugby league and there's new cycles and, and things pop up. And so all of a sudden now it's like Quade Cooper's going to play rugby league. James mm. Maloney's going to come back. Ben Teo's going to play rugby league. They're, they're talking about, they're talking about short, Exactly. They're talking about short-term contracts. Now, if someone like Darius Boyd, we mentioned that. So Darius Boyd's mm. had, you know, he's had some struggles with mental health and, you know, he – has basically come out and said, I don't want to go and isolate well, away from he my said support that. he, That's group. his main thing. Yes. You know, he doesn't want to do that because you know, he has struggled it with wouldn't that be good kind of him. stuff and he's got a beautiful young family and he, you start thinking different at the end of your career. I understand, I understand all these senior players that are going, you know what, I might just sort of you know, sail off into the sunset and just retire. Maybe, so maybe that's it. Do they still, should they be paid their full contract? Not, if, they, not they, if they, not if they they're willing. If they choose to... To, to dip out. Well, Darius has got this year and next year. Has he got another year? Yeah. Yeah, right. So he said he was going to retire at the end of this year, but he would be getting paid from the club next year to do some sort of coaching role. Right. Like Sam Burgess, like GI. Yeah. All those guys. So he's still got that money. So if you if you say that and you go, I'm not willing to do that, then I think the club will have grounds so where to do go, these we're clubs, not going to pay you. where do these clubs find the money to pay for Quake? Well, I, I mean, Quake Cooper's not going to pay for free. Well, Quake Cooper's he's come out and I've spoken to him Personally, and he said he's not. It's not about money. He just wants. He, he wants, just wants, he wants, to, he wants a challenge, and he yeah. wants to keep playing. He wants to play. It's only about five. It's only a five month contract. He's yeah. still getting paid from somewhere else. He's he's done. He's very successful in what he's what he's been doing. And um, I don't think we'll, t- we'll talk about Quaid in a bit. But um, just back to, to Darius and, and, and Cam Smith. It's just different kettle of fish. They're different. Like they've, they've achieved so much in the game. The, the pinnacle of the game they've achieved. But you know, I look at the. The demographic, 18 to 25-year-old kids never haven't achieved what Darius Boyd's achieved or Cameron Smith, not even a little millis- microcosm of it, nothing. They want to play. They want to play anywhere. They want to get out of their house. They want to train. They want contact. They want to be out and they want to be playing. No one gives a fuck about crowds or anything at this stage. The only big, the only little bit of a drama would be if they played Origin. You'd be like, oh, I sort of want a crowd. But I'm telling you, these kids are chomping it to bits. Every single person in every club just want to get out there and train and be out with the boys and do all that kind of stuff. Because I said last week and the last couple of weeks, the NRL bubble is a, is a, it's a crazy thing. You don't know anything. You don't know any different. But going to train, eat, sleep, shit, football, video sessions, everything is just like, bang, you are concentrating so much on rugby league every single week. You do video sessions, you're non-stop doing you know, like individual video, then you do team video, and then you do like oh, – it's, it's just mind-boggling what, you, what these NRL players do right now. I would be, I would be fascinated though. If you've, if you've signed a contract, so you've got a contract to the end of – let's say to the end of this year, mm. and you then – this is obviously extremely uncharted territory, but if you then yeah. go, do you know what? You're asking me <laughs> to go above and beyond. You're asking me to leave my family. You're, I've got kids. You're asking me to be away from my kids. I'm not going to do that. Mm. I feel like that contract would still have to be paid out. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, that that's, it, it, it will be. I think. Um, so how do they? How do clubs afford? Especially when we're talking about you know whether or not clubs are actually going to be able to survive through this. Who pays the players? Yeah, I'm not sure. Like all that sort of stuff. I mean, I, I think Clint Newton's doing such a great job as a the CEO, as the RLPA. And, and I've spoken to him and we're pretty much on the same page. Like we're, we're sitting here, like we're, we're it's pretty much the same conversation. Like he does, like he knows that they've just got this $250 million cash injection. 
which is great because if they didn't have that, you'd be fucking arguing with Channel Nine, and you wouldn't be getting any wouldn't be getting any TV money. And then you're probably looking at what you're going to be paying for April, May, and then you've got five months. And if you don't play, like what are you you're looking at what? five months no pay mm. till next year mm. that's what you're looking at you're probably looking at half your contract yeah. and that's what's going to happen if we don't get back on the field yeah. and that's why players should they should understand that and I'm pretty sure they do understand that from their from their um, it would be coming from their head coach or the CEO or whatever it's just like you need to sacrifice for the greater good of the game As I've been echoing these sentiments like the last couple of weeks like just man up and get out there and fucking play if I could give you, I mean, all I would know, if I was in that position, I don't give a shit if I was 30, 30, 20, or 35, I'd still play because I know what it means to play and I know what pressure is on us to play. You just need to play. Like, just get out, like, whatever it takes. I think, and I know these players have got that mentality. But because- you've, to be fair, Will, you've had a change of circumstance in the last 12 months. Yeah. Would you still now want to yeah. be away? For that period of time. No. I mean, it's, it's different in hindsight because I can think about it now, but not when I, if I was playing. When you're younger. When if I was younger, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even contemplate. I'd be sitting at home going, where the, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Can we just get this shit back on track? Yeah. And I know that's what they all think. That's exactly what they're all thinking. I've, sp- I've spoken to a lot of these guys, man. A lot of the players, they're just like, fuck, I just can't wait to get back out there. They're doing individual training. I'm, I'm training a few of these guys well, individually, just like one-on-one, just doing some stuff. It's hard to do always, one-on-one stuff, but like just working on their, yeah. on their like, fundamentals, yeah, all this kind of stuff. These guys are like superstar because you've been in that since like they need they old. need that sort of interaction yeah, when it starts yeah. getting serious and, like, and it's like next minute you're 22 Fox, 23 you know? he's one of the most talented what's, what's players going on well it's so like we spoke players, with Boyd last week you know and said with Boyd Corner and said last week same thing you know he's in a different he's in a different he's in a different stage in his career he's 27 28 years old but he has played so many games he's been on big campaigns through the through the origin series won a couple of origin series won he's won three premierships he's played a shitload of games mentally Physically, he needs a rest. Yeah. But not everyone's in Boy Corden's position. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, what about a 22? What about David Fafita? Do you think he wants to not stop playing? Payne Haas wants well, to stop playing? playing? For contract. Cameron Murray wants They're to play- stop playing? A lot of these blokes are playing yeah. for contract. Latrell too. Mitchell, does he want to stop playing? He's off contract. He only signed one year. He could probably go and get fit in Tyree. Oh, he, he would just, he'd probably, hopefully, you know, like going, he'll come back. He's, but he's mentally, worn I think, so much. I think he needed he a mental break. So fit. he's going, you yeah. know what? I'm done with you, fucking thank God. He, so he's in a different position. So he's going to go up to Tari, be with his family, be happy. He can do some and training he can on his mentally, own out of the spotlight. He can mentally get right for the for the next chapter of yeah. his life when, when we start playing again, whether it be six months, whether it be two months or whatever. doesn't matter. But it's just different. Everybody is in a different circumstance. Interestingly, and- though, like if you look at um, the way this whole thing has played out, and we're talking about the money. We're talking purely about the money here. The way that these players have been treated, um, they are just being told, you'll do this, you'll do that, you'll do that. Now, if you were a player, would you actually just go, I want to play? Or would you sit there and you'd be like, well, what does that mean contract-wise? Like, mm. do you just turn up? I'll be – you know what? I've got to applaud, like, uh, Daly Cherry Evans, DC. He's been, he's been outstanding in this. He's, he's – He's grown so much in the last five or six years, and he's been a lead. He's he's a part of the RLPA. He's been in meetings, and he's been very aggressive towards other other players getting their money. DCE's on on a million dollars. He don't give a shit. 
but he's worried about the next, the smaller guys, which I'm glad that he's doing that. He's always been, he's always been a great guy, seriously. But now he's shown his leadership, and they even wanted they the NRL wanted him out of the meetings. Mm. They wanted him out of the meetings because he was aggressive. They don't like getting questioned. Trust me, the NRL don't like getting questioned. They don't like to open their fucking books either, and that's what's happening now. Because hey, I said it last week. Someone's skimming off the top. Where's the fucking money? Where's the money? You, you know, like you got to pay 160 million dollars worth of, worth of uh, salaries. 160 million dollars. That's all right. When you're getting 550 mil TV rights, you know what I mean? It just doesn't it just doesn't add up. And I mean, like the RLPA, RLPA is doing such a great job trying to do that. But like it's 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 just we're just one of those. Ga- it's just a game where like they they're never going to do that. And I'm I'm glad. I'm not glad, but this shit's happened for a reason. And you know what? The NRL people are going to go. Cost 180 million dollars to run the NRL. Like all these fucking figures are coming out. I'm like, what? Is, what? Who are you paying? Not you're not even paying play. You're not paying any clubs. Running. It's 180 million dollars to run the NRL. I what are you I, doing? Like, what are you doing with NRL, your money? Exactly. Yeah. What are you? What are you fuckers on? Mm. How much money are you on? 180 million dollars. Like, run a skeleton crew for the rest of the year. Everyone, like everybody, take exactly what everyone else is doing. In cop hindsight, fuck, you hit. you should probably have got a job coaching or something because it's obviously a gravy train, isn't it? Yeah, fuck a gravy train. I'm not about that, but I should be CEO. So, William, we have talked about your little black book, and once again, what are you calling yourself this week? Uh, Carl Malone. And why are you calling AKA yourself? AKA the mailman, because I always deliver. Right. Well, you actually have delivered this time. You have delivered us one of the greatest footballers yeah. who has ever lived. Yeah, I think and so too. We are going to ring him now. Explain to the viewers who we are ringing. Um, the great Greg Inglis. He is obviously recently retired from the game. I just thought it'd be good to get him on. He's a great, he's a great friend of mine. Um, and I just think we should celebrate his career. I just think he's one of the – he is honestly – top three greatest players to ever play the game. And I think people should uh, start recognising that. They obviously do now. And I think I had a coffee with Greg Inglis last week and we were talking about you know, just football and he's a very modest person. He's like, yeah, I, didn't really, I didn't really know what people thought of me. When I, and you got guys like Darren Lockyer and Cooper Cronk going, yeah, uh, we, we had a great dynasty, blah, 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 but we wouldn't have won all these origins without Greg Inglis. Greg Inglis is in all everybody's best side, everyone's best side. doesn't matter what era they are. And now he's getting the accolades that he deserves because he's a very modest person and, and, and GI is just GI. And I've known him for you know over 10 years now. We play for Australia, Australia together and against each other, but it's going to be good, good having a chat with him because I think a lot of his interviews that he's been doing over his whole career – he doesn't really like the media. He doesn't really do anything like this. So it's, it's a privilege to get him on. So He told me he doesn't rate you, to be honest. But anyway, <laughs> let's uh, – here's the thing. Lock, lock that into your phone. All right, mate. And uh, give him a call and let's see if he actually answers because you've talked yeah. yourself up here, haven't you, Carmel? I know. So, Fuck, man. Boyd Cordner almost didn't work. answer last week. Hang on, I'll put the headphones on. Hello. Greggy English. How are you, Mason? <laughs> What's going on, bro? 
No, nothing, man. What's happening? Oh, not a lot, man. Just, you know, just getting by, getting by. I know you went through the whole Madge regime and he arcs, he arcs the hell of a lot. He got, a, he got a premiership out of you guys. You played great that those three or four years that he was there. But that took a big toll on players like yourself, Sam Burgess, George Burgess, all the leaders of that team. You, it, it sucks so much energy out of you mentally and physically. But I think more on the mental side because have a look. And, and obviously physically, because George Burgess has fallen off so much compared to what he was in, in 13, 14, 15, 16. Sam Burgess is medically retired, and you're medically retired as well. So it's uh, I can't sort of try and uh, get out to the people like how hard the actual training is under, under a person like him. And Bellyache as well, you've had him as well for your whole career. You've had these two people that expect so much from Greg Ingles and from their team. And you're not that sort of player and I know that you're not the sort of person to go, yeah, I'll take this session off. I'll take this session off. Oh, yeah, I won't make round one because to your detriment because you love the team so much. So do you think being underneath him and Bellyache took its toll at the later part of your career? Yeah, look, first and foremost, Craig Bellamy was like a father figure. I fucking love him. When I, when I first went down there to Melbourne, he was my mentor. He was my father figure, my father away from home. And pretty much my family. The whole Melbourne Storm system was my family when I was down there. Yeah. I remember I was moved down there when I was 16. Yeah. And then going on to 17, going back and forth to Brisbane, like back and forth. So that's what people don't realise. And before you know it, I'm sitting around looking at Robbie Kearns in the dressing sheds. Big um, Bobby K. You know, yeah, big Bobby K. Steve Kearney. Mm. Matt Guyer. You know, I'm sitting around these... These legends of the game, Alex Chan, these guys, David Kidwell as well, just walking in, putting on my number 19 debut jerseys. But before I even got to that, it was actually doing a full preseason with them. They taught me how to, like, just never give up, just keep training. And that's how Craig wants it. But it wasn't driven by Craig. It was driven by the leaders. Yeah. And then when Madge took over ourselves, that's all I had imprinted in my, in my head, in my yeah. brain. Okay, this is the leader that we had to show these young guys. And this is how it's going to be. But those two coaches gave me um, three premierships. Yeah, I mean it's and amazing. And it, it was so so amazing, and I can never fault those two guys. I mean, I know. That, I mean, you, everyone's just going, "Oh, gee, I should have played for New South Wales." I'm not even going to embark on that bullshit because you're a fucking great, <laughs> one of the greatest Queenslanders. Yeah, we could have got you if we had any balls and said, "Hey, gee, I have a fucking New South Wales jersey." Um, anyway, you. Went to Newcastle High School. Like, can you tell people about that? Me, Joey and myself fucking just sit there and just just argue about who, who the hell let you go from Newcastle. You were in our, you know, you were there. You were right in our catchment and they let you go. Like, you were there. I mean, you, you, why, didn't the night, why didn't the Knights grab you? And why didn't, and obviously, and if New South Wales had to come up in 2005 or six and said, hey, Greggy, Here's a New South Wales jersey. Would you play for New South Wales? Well, funny enough, like, well, like I said, like, at the age of 16, I went down to Melbourne for pre-season. Anyway, during that year, I was at Hunter High School, Gateshead. Yeah. Um, went to Kirinari Hostels, lived there with the rest of the Indigenous kids that wanted to go there in Cardiff. Um, my cousin and I, my first cousin and I, uh, Said, let's just go to Gateshead for, you know, sports target program for rugby league. The reason behind all this 
because I was like, okay, I signed with Melbourne at the time when I was 15. And uh, at 14, actually, got my manager at 15. So I signed with Melbourne at 14, got my manager at 15. 16 came along. I was like, actually, I don't want to go to Melbourne. I want to be around close to my family. You know, my family is important to me, like any, anyone's family. So by the end of that year, no one approached me about staying around Newcastle. I kept, like, going and saying, oh, how about Newcastle? How about this? Saying to my manager at the time, it was like, kept going and inquiring. It's like, we can't do anything. Mind you, I signed a contract for $500. With Melbourne <laughs> big money, so, Jay, like big money. Newcastle was only, at that time, three hours down the road. With new highways and that now, it's only two hours. Yeah. But it was only three hours down the road, Newcastle was, from my hometown. So I was like, nah, I want to stay here, I want to do this, and I'll be close to my family, I'll be happy. Didn't come along that whole year, and I was like, yeah, I'll play for West, West and Rosella. Yeah. Yeah, play for them for the whole year with, with um, Ricky Walsh, Jared Mullen, and they were signing Newcastle at the time. They were playing seven and six. Wow. And I was the number one. And I was like, okay, let's... Let's just go with this, and I'll just try to get with Newcastle, and then nothing came back. So. That's unbelievable, mate. You've talked about going down to Melbourne. You went down to Melbourne, obviously, when you were very young. Um, what people may not know, because it wasn't really that publicised, is that you have been inducted into the Rabbitohs Hall of Fame, um, which is a massive, massive achievement for you, and 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 something that I know you're very proud of yourself. Do it's a you, heritage club too. Do you look back now? Um, and see yourself. I mean, obviously Melbourne was where you started your career, but do you see yourself now as a, as, as as a South Sydney player? And that's something that you're very proud of. Yeah, like like you touched on, it's Melbourne's where I had my early early successful see, uh, you know career, without a doubt. Those people down there made me who I was as a player, without a doubt, <clears throat> no question about it. But then coming up to South Sydney, that's where it actually, like, you have to step away from that Melbourne system. I, Like I said, I had great players around me, great leaders. But to go to the next level when you had to step out of that system, yes, Cam Smith was unbelievable. Probably the best in the game. Probably number one that will ever go down as one of the greatest. Billy Slater, best fullback you'll ever see of, you know, that will come across. Cooper Cronk, the most, like, articulate halfback you'll ever get. And then there was me that just got thrown in at number six or number four. <laughs> I had no idea what, what he was doing besides these three guys around me helped me. So when that salary cap scandal came along, I decided to put my hand up and just test the waters and come up to Sydney. I didn't want to come to Sydney. Brisbane was a you know was a goal, but that did a whole backflip on itself. Well, I did, and then decided, <laughs> and then. Uh, yeah, the funny story is Chuck rang me and he goes, Russell's going to call you in five minutes. I was like, okay, no problem. And then Russell rings, he goes, puts his voice on, hey, it's Russell Crowe. Hey, it's no, Russell Crowe. Like, yeah, I'm like, no, fuck off. No, it's not. No, no chance. Because I didn't believe it because I love Gladiator so much. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> believe it. And I didn't want to come to South for that reason. 
that movie, Gladi- the movie Gladiator, has genuinely signed about fifty percent of the South players over the like. If the gla- movie Gladiator didn't exist, South would have probably missed out on about fifty percent of their signings. I reckon. Oh mate, if you go back to the um, the signs that they had up for the whole final series, it's like what you do in life echoes for eternity. You can see that massive <laughs> banner that they did, and that's just anyway. So going back to where we started, yep. Melbourne, yes, done my very successful. Did you doubt career. yourself? So going back, just say you 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 said you played with Cam Smith, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater, arguably three of the greatest players in their position. Uh, then you had Greg Inglis. You try and downplay, but you were probably the best side, best player in that team, in my in my opinion. Did you sort of go, "Am I this great because of the players around me? Do I need to go to South Sydney to go? You know what? Fuck it, I am fucking Greg Inglis, and I can do this shit by myself." Did you have that sort of attitude? No, it wasn't. No, because I'm because no. I'm thinking that's not in your nature because you're just a freak anyway. But you no, just you knew you, you knew you had to you knew you had to go and just make the decision to come up to Sydney. You know why? Because that family in Melbourne Storm was so tight. Yeah. I decided to put my hand up, went and chat with Craig Bellamy. It was after we played Bulldogs in Adelaide that year. I said, look, I don't want to see these guys go. I'm going to put my hand up because it would be better for me to get a contract and it would be easier for me to get a contract elsewhere. Did you know you were going to play fullback? Like when you went to South, was that the plan? Yeah, that wasn't the plan. Shane Richards had turned around and said to Madge, he's like, I just want you one of the best centers like that we can ever have or in the world. And then Madge turned around and goes, He'll be one of the best fullbacks that you'll ever have. And that's right. how it and that's how it ended. Massive thanks to Greg Inglis for coming on the show. What was supposed to be a quick chat turned into a long talk about his career and what he's up to now with his fantastic Goanna Foundation. We had to cut a fair bit out, so we're going to run the full interview as our first ever special of The Take with Willie Mason, coming out on Monday on all the usual channels. It's a real privilege to hear GI talking so openly and honestly. Tune in. Now, we are very good at a lot of things, William. One mm. thing we are not good at, which is becoming apparent, is punning on the horses. <laughs> I actually thought I was better than this. This is yeah. Been... I thought we'd have we'd have one win. I'm not even. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that disappointed. I'm a bit pissed off at my uh, at my uh, bit of that mail that I'm getting from some people. So you yeah, got a bit, a bit of a roasting. So hopefully this week, this week I'm I'm, I'm positive we're going to get a win. Do you know? And you are like you're not even pretending to be good at horses. I actually. Yeah, you know your shit. You've got horses and stuff, so I'm like, hey. Well, do you know what we're going to do? Yeah. We're going to ring, and I didn't know he was called this, Jared. He's called the Prophet Prophet. Did you know? Clever. Is it self? Did he name himself? I hope not. We'll find out. Let's ring him. Hang on. Ring him, please. Let's ring Jared from Ned's because he really does need to be better than what he has been. If he tells us they're good tips again and they're no good, I won't be happy. Let's ring him. He's just trying to be friends. We're already friends. Although that's changing. Hi, Best how friends. Are you? Jared. Yes. Mate, I've got some issues. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good start. Yep. First of all, you are the prophet prophet. <laughs> yeah, that's Self proclaimed, yeah. huh? And is that right, Jared? Who named you? Because Who named oh, we're in well, we're in strife here. Yeah, look. That's, uh, that one stuck for a little while. We really need to get a winner over the line to really justify that. Yeah. No, no, don't we? We do, because I'll tell you what. Well, do you, 
to be fair, we're actually quite fond of you at the moment because we now have got the Ned's Punter's Toolbox. Do you want to know us what, what we've filled it with, Jared? What's, what's in there? Beers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not screwdrivers. <laughs> There's no tools in it. Built for a, yeah, they are a perfect size for a six-pack, to be fair. So it's no, probably it rude to be putting anything like that in there. Yeah, no, we've filled it up. And what we're trying to do now is fill up our pockets. See what I did there, Jared? Yeah, nice. So as we have done over the last few weeks, and thanks to our wonderful friends at Ned's, we are going to have a bet. Yep. On some horses, and I'll tell you what, we are desperate for the football to yeah. start on May the 28th because we're going awful here. But mm. any William, sport, anything. any sport, I reckon any sport but horse racing, I reckon I'll be going way better. What about MasterChef? That started. Anything. Have you been watching MasterChef? I watch Hell's Kitchen. You're on, oh, do, do you know, Jared, <laughs> William was actually on a cooking show Yeah. called Hell's Kitchen. You wouldn't have watched it because no one did. Hell's but Kitchen. I, yeah, it was called Hell's Kitchen. He was with Marco Pierre White. Yeah. William actually did very well in it. Come third. It's all right. Got a medal. Did you come third? I come third. Yeah. So tell me about the MasterChef. Did you just bet on the winner or can you bet on – Sorry. Sorry. So obviously I've done that that show, Hell's Kitchen. Isn't it all pre-recorded? Like I don't understand how we can bet on on MasterChef because it's not fucking live. Hang on. Is there a rod here? Talk to me, Jared. Talk to me. (laughs) You're the profit profit. Do we know the winner? Help us out here, Jared. Well, no, I'll have a million no, bucks we, on the winner. We certainly do not have the mail on the winner. I mean, that's not the way. If if, if that was the case, I tell you, I wouldn't be coming into work every day. Yeah, week, that's a fair but, point. Uh, but yeah, no, oh, mate, I get it. But I was having this conversation last night. I said, look, I think you can punt on um, on MasterChef. What and was they go, your... no, you can't because it's pre-recorded. And I'm what like, yeah, your... they usually record it six months before. So if you had... You had the mail from the inside. You'd be like, hey. Do you know, do you know what Willie's best dish was there? Saffron rice yeah. risotto. Risotto. I won the challenge. I won a lot of challenges. Oh, okay, you won. Well, you tell you what, not winning is bets. Mm. Why don't you tell Jared who you're betting on this week? Mate, Jared, what do you think of this? Um, yep. Race seven at Randwick, Santa and Elaine. It's out, or is it? It's out to four. Look at, look at the mail. It's out to 1,400 metres. It's a dry track. It's third up, which I wouldn't have a fucking clue what that means. I've explained barrier that. Barrier one. <laughs> it's barrier one, which sounds better than barrier 20 fucking thousand last week. Um, yeah. I'm tipping it would be three from three in the group ones when the distance is three, 1,350 metres or more. He wins on Saturday in the all-aged. You're yeah, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> is that your well? Has your mate that's been giving you these tips said, Said you're welcome at the end of that bet. No, that no, was really. No, I just put, put that in. in. I put that in. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, <laughs> look, I, I look. Okay, he hasn't won for more than a year, but he also oh. hasn't stepped out in a whole lot of races, and he has tuned up very nicely with this with a couple of competitive starts this year. Look, he stepped out in that TJ Smith stakes a couple of weeks ago, and he's well beaten by Nature Strip, but he doesn't have to deal with that horse this week, and he was certainly the best of the rest. He sort of led home a wall of horses to finish second. He's better third up, and like you said there, Will, out of the 1,400 metres is ideal for him. He's won two Group 1 races at distance before. Tim Clark, I just don't think there's a, a jockey riding better than him in the country at the moment. He has options from Barrier 1. I just, uh, I, I'm pretty impressed with this one. I, I've actually put him in my weekly preview too, so I, uh, this one lines up with me. Don't hate it at all. What about Perata as a... In that race? Well, I, I backed it a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. you liked it then. Why don't you like it now, Jared? I'm turning well, on I, you. I just think, I don't know, Pierre Arda has had a couple of chances. 
in a couple of races that I actually thought looked uh, well. He was in the TJ, he wasn't weaker then. But uh, I, I just I just think Santorana Wayne has the upside. He's a fourteen hundred meter specialist, and uh, when he gets clear running, he's just very very hard to hold out. If he was a little bit closer to Nature Strip a couple of weeks ago, who knows what would have happened? All right. Well, I'm going because I don't back favourites. Is mine a favourite? It's a favourite. You're a favourite backer. Oh, well. You're a favourite backer. So mine, and I, you'll have to pronounce this for me because you're the prophet yeah. prophet, but Entente, Entente, yeah. Entente. You don't yeah, pronounce the last word if it's French. French. Oh, okay. Oh, he played five minutes for Catalans and now all of a sudden I lived there for three French. years, mate. Very well. Oh, Toulon me. too. That's true. Three years, but. Toulon, that was It's not about it. playing. It wasn't about was. playing, obviously. Oh, well, Toulon thought so. Lifestyle. <laughs> Lifestyle, man. How do you pronounce it, Jared? Um, I say intent. It could be on top. Uh, I'm actually is. going to say it's on time. It's a gay waterhouse and Adrian Bothorse. They're they're typically named, uh, you know, professionally. So let's say on top. Does Gay Waterhouse do anything, or is it Adrian Bot? <laughs> well, I think I think these days, uh, Bot is well and truly the uh, the uh, you know. She of, just counts the cash. The hands, does a lot of the hands on. We'll, we'll say. I think he's uh, he's very much in that. Who do you think, Jared? Who do you think is the best jockey in um, in Australia at the moment? Because I'm good friends with Huey Bowman, and he gives me yeah. fucking nothing. And all I see on his Instagram is him winning. So I'm a little bit yeah. off that little prick. Can you? Can, yeah. hang is he, on, can is he we, one? Is he one of our best? Can we focus on my tip first, please? Fuck your tip. We, if your tip's not getting it. It's it will. It's, it's, it's no. It's each way too, Jared. Just so that we're clear, it's a ten dollar yeah. shot, and I'm going each way. Yeah, what a well, pussy. Well, I actually, <laughs> when I went through and did the form at Randwick today, I actually made Quick Thinker, who was the $2 favourite in this race, my lay of the day. So I'm certainly on board with taking him on. Good, Jared. Um, I'm with you there. This horse on time, he's sort of hinted at having ability throughout his career, but he does seem to finally be putting it all together here. He broke his maiden at Hawkesbury a couple back. Then he made an immediate and successful transition to a black-type race when a very impressive all-the-way winner of the Carbine Club Stakes a couple of weeks ago... For a three-year-old at this point of the carnival, I think that's a pretty difficult thing to do. He's getting out to the 2,000 metres here. He's by done deal. So the breeding suggests he's only going to be better at the distance. And a bit of a segue from what Will was asking before here, I don't think there's a better jockey in the uh, in the, the country than Tim Clark. I said that during uh, the Santa Lane tip there. And how's this for an omen bet? Both of these horses that you guys have tipped have Tim Clark in the saddle and they're leading, leaving from barrier one. So oh, there I think we go. It's all lining up here. Clarky. I think it's all lining up. I think we're finally onto a couple. All right, good. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it's definitely pronounced entente because yeah. looking back, Willie Mason was once described as the biggest flop in Toulon rugby union's history, and <laughs> so it's so, a fucking fact too. That's a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> Fuck you. We're anyway. spitting facts. So, Jared, thank you for that. I would like to think that uh, if we don't win this week. What I would like you to do, we've got the we've got the toolbox. I would like you to message me before we go on air, and I would yep. like you to tell me who to back. Can we agree on that? Okay. Yeah, I am more than on board with that. That's fine. No worries at all. Thank you, Jared. Thanks, Jared. All right, guys. You have a good weekend. I'll. Uh, I'll you speak too, to you bro. Next week. We'll speak to you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks mate. And I don't need to mention um, gamble responsibly, everybody. You do need to mention it. Because well, it's like again, a rhetorical question. Do you get it? Okay, whatever. And 
I was rated one of the worst rugby union players, not just in Toulon, ever. No, no, no you no. played for the Barbarians. I played fucking one game, Jesus Christ. You cares? played for the Barbarians. You oh, went good. And carved up with the Barbarians. You did well there. Yeah. You, you know yeah. it too. Why would you, you should have played in the six. Mm-hmm. So, William, just reminding everyone out there that we would like, uh, when we actually start winning, we would like uh, a club out there somewhere in the ether to yeah. get in contact with us and we would most enjoy being able to give you some money. We have to obviously exactly. win some. But get in contact. We've got all the socials. We've got Instagram. We've take, got- it, take it with Willie Mason. Get uh, Slide in the DMs like everybody does. But um, No one's sliding in my DMs. <laughs> on Twitter, Mason's Take. We're, we're on everything. Facebook. Are we on Facebook? We're on Facebook. The yeah, Take with Willie Facebook, Mason. Take Willie Mason on all, all handles. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the end. Just have a fucking phone. All right, William, there has been – well, I'm not saying that I'm not the most popular person in this podcast, but you are the most popular person in this podcast, and you, you have told some stories. Kangaroo tales are mm. going berserk. So yeah. what I would like you to do is I would like you to give us another story yeah. about a kangaroo tour. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a bit crazy because I'm trying to think of some – Obviously, you know, whatever stay, whatever happens on Kangaroo Tour stays. I don't name names. I don't do anything like that. So it's hard to get all these stories out there. But, you know, people can read between the lines. But I don't really tell everybody the whole thing. So 2005, it was uh, – I think 2004 or five. So we had about a week off and we're like, fuck, where do we go? And when you're in Europe at that time, it's in winter. It's, you know, it's a fucking awful place. We're thinking we're in Manchester – Let's just get the fuck out of Manchester. So we're looking at Prague. So everyone's like, fuck, yeah, Prague, be unreal. All this sort of shit. We'll stay here. We've got a, a pommy dude like showing us around. He's going to chaperone us around all the clubs, all the, or whatever. You know, for about five days we booked. Cost us fuck all. And we're just going, all right, let's go. So pretty much, I reckon about out of the 25, 25 minutes, I reckon about probably 15, 15, probably nearly 20 went, I think. So we're like, yes, we're in Prague. I heard Prague nightclubs were crazy. I heard everything was just mental about Prague. If anyone's been to Prague or anything out there, you know what Prague's about. And if you've been to Prague, you'd know about Goldfingers. Um, I'm not even going to tell you what it is, but sounds interesting, Will. Yeah, it's just Goldfingers. That's just it. A, yeah, yeah. Just but a place. Um, so so just there's, a place. there's a heap of so we go. So whatever we seen on the brochure was a brilliant like uh, like a castle. We'll stay in. There's all these rooms, all this sort of shit. And I was rooming with a, with a mate, and we we're like, we we in the in a dungeon. It was freezing fucking cold, no heater, no nothing. It was the worst fucking place I've ever seen. Everyone else, we went up to other rooms. Everyone else, everyone else was in the same sort of thing. It was the dingiest place we've ever been to. So we get up. This guy's who who takes us on a tour bus, and this pommy bloke, he was going fucking, yeah, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this, and we end up. Well, I think we paid him like I reckon five five thousand pounds. Fucking fair bit of money. You see? And he was supposed to show – but he was supposed to – something like that. He was supposed to show us around for five days. So he's – we've gone into Goldfingers. He's gotten lost. He was on something that I've never, ever seen. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen some people on whatever, but I've never, seen a, I've never seen someone like this. He was fucking loose as hell. We're like, 
Is this the guy that's supposed to take us around for five days? He, he went like missing. He earned his five days. He, he finessed well. us massively. We didn't see him for the whole time. We went to another nightclub. It was the most dingiest, fucking stinkiest place. Everyone lost a shitload of money. There's a lot of hustlers on the street. They steal a lot of shit. There's a oh mate, it was one of the worst trips. We just canned it after the first night. Did you night. pay this bloke up front before yeah, you went to yeah, Goldfingers? Yeah. yeah. He's had the best. He's had the best time. time. He has had the best night of his life. I was looking at him and I said, "This this motherfucker that was just like we paid him five grand." Lockie was our captain. I said, "Lockie, what the fuck's going on here?" Never seen him again. Do you know what? If I was gonna if I was gonna rip off a group of human beings, oh, we look for him. It would not be the, the Australian Rugby League, the Australian Rugby League team of two thousand and five. That I is just not think the he, side. he did that. He did the one night when we got there, got absolutely shit faced. We had his number. He never answered his phone once. We were we we were staying in the worst accommodation. The food was fucked. It wasn't like that pub sort of uh, hungry where. Oh, yeah, I was starving. Um, it wasn't that sort of place where you know Prague's not that place where you can go, oh, let's just go to the pub. It's not a pub sort of scene. It's not that sort of place. So was that the tour when Luke Rooney said that Prague was no good because there were no pubs, there was no tabs there? Yes. Was that that trip? Yeah. Yeah, it was that yeah. trip. Yeah, good. And he, he hated it. All the boys like Luke Lewis, everyone hated it. So we just got on a plane just went straight back. I mean... We wanted to stay, but it was uh, it was just it was crazy. Everyone just got everyone got hustled on the streets. If you've been to Prague, you know what I'm talking about. Hustled on the streets, and it was it was a terrible it was terrible. Do you reckon that bloke's telling the story? You should have seen the time that I absolutely ripped off the Australian rugby league team in 2005. Yeah, or do you reckon he's gone into hiding? I would never. We we look for him for the whole time. <laughs> and we just did. we just cut out we just cut our losses when you know fuck it. I said keep your money. Well done. Anyway, I'll try and come up with something better next week because I actually think about this shit because I don't want to put anyone in. I want to jeopardise anyone because we're all retired and we're all happy with our lives, so I'm not going to fuck anyone over. You've put the black in Prague in. Fuck He's the listening. guy in Prague. I wish I knew his name. I'm going to go to Prague and get him. Thank you very much once again for tuning in to our little show. We are available on all your good podcasts, your mm. Apple, your Spotify. There's other ones that SoundCloud. I don't know about. SoundCloud? Yeah, MySpace. MySpace? Yeah. William, you are the king of social media. You've been involved with something recently. Tell me yeah. about it. I'm trying to be a little bit more proactive with it. So I've, I've joined up with Swish. So Swish is, it's like it's like Cameo, where a lot of, but it's for athletes only. So I'm part of the company. Like I've got some equity in the company and... We start, we've signed up a lot of rugby league players where, especially right now, it's pretty hot because a lot of guys are fucking bored as shit and a lot of play, a lot of, a lot of people are at home. So all it is is pretty much video messages sent to just say, I've done about 20 of them, just like, you know, happy birthday or good luck with this or, you know, about mental health, about anything. It could be any question at all. Obviously, they pay. Just say you could be like $20, $40. Just say if you're fucking LeBron James, you'd be like $5,000. But obviously, we're not that big. So you're probably a maximum thing would be $100. Some guy like Pat Kalen Ponger, if he can come on, or someone like that. But we've got some great players. Tom Trevojevic, Mitchell Pierce, uh, Cameron Murray. That's just to name a few. We've got some, you know, Damian Cook. We've got some really good players, you know. And that's just in rugby league, which is my forte. So... I've got a lot of these players on and they're, they're really, it's just about interacting with their fans and 20% goes to Starlight Foundation. So that's, 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 that's the, um, 
That's the main thing. It goes, it goes into something. It's not about you making money or us making money. It's about going into a great cause. So, you know, it's 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 a great it's a great thing. I mean, I enjoy it. I'm not really into it for the videos, but I do get a lot of videos, <laughs> video requests. But you know, it's, it's mainly for the current players, especially now. I mean, with Origin and everything like that, we've got Blake Ferguson and and all these guys. I've been getting a shitload of questions. So. There's a lot of, I mean, it's just a great thing. I mean, it's not Cameo. I mean, I've been asked to get on Cameo as well, but I'm not a fuck. I think Cameo is for fucking megastars, not stupid NRL players that are on the East Coast of a show. If I give you $5 right now, will you tell me that I'm your best friend? I'll do it for free. You're my best friend. I'll be following Willie more and more. Back in the NRL is Willie Mason. I've forgotten how big Willie actually is. Perhaps the presence of Willie... And the Panthers looking at his imposing frame. I'm a 25-minute man. Fuck. Oh, you got skills, son. Uppercut right hand by Big Willie. You've been listening to The Take with Willie Mason and co-host Ian Byrne. Produced by Craig Trewick, recorded and engineered by Zig Parker of Green Room Sydney, and presented by the Handshake Media Network. 